Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. Welcome to Bob and at Live. I'm the pastor of Denver Bible Church. What things never entered God's mind? How about that half of the U.S. women's basketball team in the Olympics? Half of the roster would be women who put in their bios that they're married to other women or engaged or otherwise in a relationship. Bunch of perverts. But the sins like stealing, adultery, perjury, murdering one's neighbor, those that are prohibited in the Ten Commandments, certainly as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were planning the creation, this is before the foundations of the earth, and developing their contingency plans based on what men and angels may or may not do, they considered that if mankind rebelled, These are the kinds of sins, tragically, that we would commit. It's just the horror. But some love is worth enduring much hate. And so God, knowing that things could go terribly wrong, created anyway, just like the love we have in our family, Cheryl and I and our love for our kids, and we realize that we're in the midst of a violent, perverse, and wicked world. And so there is tremendous suffering, including, of course, among Christians. But there's also a tremendous amount of pure hatred, hatred for God, hatred for others, utter selfishness. And so some love is worth enduring much hate. So these sins that God, as he's thinking through his own contingency plans, the persons of the Godhead within the Trinity, they obviously considered that if mankind rebelled, these are the kinds of sins that men would commit. But in the Bible, There is one sin that God said that it never entered his mind, that men would do such a thing. I'd like to read to you the three places in Scripture where God says that, and then we could think through it. In fact, you could find those verses if you Google open theism verses, those three words, and click on our verse list in 33 categories of 580 verses. It's an amazing list. And it's category six that is titled, God Says Certain Things Happened That Never Entered His Mind. So is the future settled or open? Well, there are 33 categories of verses, and this is one of them which we think prove that God is a person who is free and that he has not exhausted his creativity. He's still able to think new thoughts, to write new songs, to design new flowers, and that when he created, he was truly free to either create or not to create. 
And being free, it was unknown what he would do until he decided to create. And then whether or not he would put one more fruit on the tree of life or one more blade of grass in the Garden of Eden or one more atom in the Andromeda galaxy, that was all up to him to freely decide. And because he was truly free to decide these things or not, that means that the future was open for God and not settled. And if that's true, that means that having a settled future is not necessary for God to be God. It's not one of the essential attributes of deity, of God, to know a settled future. And of course, that's correct. So when God says that parents burning alive their own children is some perverse, cultic, religious practice that never entered his mind, he means it because it is so perverse, he certainly may have preconceived even the perversion of the U.S. women's basketball team. Not the team itself, but the perversion of homosexuality. Homos and female homos, they're called FOMOs. But not the practice of child sacrifice. That was so far beyond what God ever imagined that men would do. But back to the U.S. women's basketball team, we do the heavy lifting here so often at Bob and Your Lives so you don't have to. Like we assemble these lists. More and more people, when they contact us, they say, I was searching for information on XYZ and I found your, like your big ugly list of liberal supporting pedophiles or your list of evidence against whale evolution or your list of, you know, fill in the blank. We have so many phenomenal lists, these enormously helpful resources. So we do the heavy lifting here so that you don't have to. And one of our producers, Daryl Berkey, he read through the bios for the U.S. women's basketball team, their 12-player Olympic roster, and six list themselves as married to a woman or engaged to a woman or otherwise in a relationship with a woman. One of the team members is actually married, only one, and that is to a man, because God defined marriage when he instituted it, and men have no authority to redefine marriage. Five of the players, they don't say. One of the lesbians, one of the FOMOs, lists herself as engaged to the purple-haired soccer lesbian that shall not be named. Now, aside from these lesbians culturally appropriating marriage from normal people and culturally appropriating engagement, for that matter, 
to say she is the lesbian that shall not be named. What is she like, Lord Voldemort or something? She's that bad? Well, obviously, she is that bad. We care about her. We hope that her rebellion against God and how he made her, we hope that she could humble herself enough to ask God to forgive her for her hatred of him, for her willingness to shout as every unbeliever would shout, given the opportunity, crucify him, crucify him. We hope and pray. I mean, hoping alone doesn't help. And God is not going to compel her to love him because she can't do that. Love cannot be forced. But we pray that the Holy Spirit doesn't give up on these women, that he continues to try to convict them, even from within, to strengthen their conscience as they've undoubtedly, they've virtually seared their conscience so that they brag about what they should be ashamed of. They brag publicly. So there are things that God said, certain things that have happened that God says never entered his mind. And I'd like to share those verses with you. They're in our 33 categories in category six. And like I mentioned, if you Google open theism verses, Bible verses, you'll find right near the top of the Google results, our list at opentheism.org, Will Duffy and I, former producer here at Bob and Yurt Live, uh, Will is known for debating theology. He does a fabulous job on YouTube and in person. He's a member of Denver Bible Church. Will and I, along with Cheryl and three of our sons, Zachary, Michael, and Dominic, we began assembling these list of verses on the occasion of Will Duffy's debate with Matt Slick back a couple years ago at Denver Bible Church, live and in person, but then also live streamed on YouTube. And when we started assembling and putting them in categories, we didn't know that they would fall out into 33 categories, but that's how it ended up. And we also didn't know how many Bible verses we would find. We began, of course, just like you would, listing the Bible verses that were most familiar to us. And then after the debate and over time, we would come across more and more verses actively searching. And if we read articles or have discussions, books on open theism. So we have found so far actually 589 unique Bible verses. And they're used like one verse might fit into two categories. So these 589 verses, they're actually used 817 times. They appear in these 33 different categories. And category six has the fewest verses in any category. It has three verses. They're all in Jeremiah. The category with the most verses, that is category number three, 
which is God has qualities that can only be had if he exists in time, like patience, slow to anger, hope, and so on. So category three has 102 verses. The average number of verses per category is 25. The most open theist chapter in the entire Bible is Jeremiah 18, the potter and the clay. It's so funny that Calvinists, the potter and the clay is one of their top five arguments for their theology, and it's the chapter in the Bible they most try to avoid. They will do virtually anything like Matt Slick did in the debate with Will Duffy when Will brought up Jeremiah 18. That's the potter and the clay chapter. And Matt Slick, very popular, well-known Calvinist theologian, says, I'm not familiar with that passage. Next question. Will's trying to explain it to him, and he's like, no, I'm not familiar with it. Next question. And it turns out two weeks earlier, on his own YouTube channel, we have the video. We link to it, kgov.com slash slick. Matt Slick read those verses to his friends, supporters, as he was live streaming, preparing to debate Will Duffy. And he says, now, Will, of course, will bring up Jeremiah chapter 18, the potter and the clay, and he's reading the verses, and you could tell he's bewildered because there's no way Calvinism can deal with those verses. So their way of dealing with them is to ignore them, to avoid them at all costs. The potter and the clay verses, of all things. So Jeremiah 18 is the most open theist chapter in the entire Bible. And if you look at the whole Bible, nearly one of every 50 Bible verses is an open theist verse. Nearly one of every 50 verses. And when you look at the New Testament as compared to the Old Testament, because some had argued to us that all your open theism verses They're all in the Old Testament. And so we knew that's not true, but how do you quantify it? Well, because we have our open theism verse list, we can quantify it. Now, first of all, why would that matter? As though God in the Old Testament was messed up, and then he got his immutability in the intertestament period. But still, even taking their argument, which on its face is meaningless— It turns out that the New Testament makes up less than a third of the Bible's text, just 27%, yet the New Testament has more than a third of the Bible's open theism verses. It has 35%. And so that means that per page of text, the New Testament presents open theism concepts 29% percent more frequently than does the Old Testament. So let me give you an idea of the category topics before we look at category six. Number one, God hopes his prophecies of judgment will fail. Isn't that something? A lot of theologians, classical theologians, Calvinists especially, but even Arminians and Molinists, they think that God's prophecies are the foretelling of the future. But when you read the Bible, you find out that God 
hopes his prophecies of judgment will fail. And we have 17 verses listed, not just the reference, but you can read the verse also. Click on the verse reference, read the whole context. So you see over and over, God says to the wicked, you shall surely die, but repent so that you will not die. Isn't that something? So God, the reason he gives his prophecies of judgment is so that they will fail. That's what he's hoping. The second category is that God exists in time. And this category has 89 verses. And all the Greek philosophical claims that God is atemporal, that he lives outside of time, he exists in an eternal now, and all that, there are no verses like that. There are 89 verses where God explicitly describes himself as in time. Category three, God has qualities that can only be had if he exists in time. And those qualities are all listed with all the verses there, over 100 verses showing that God is patient. He has patience. How can you be patient if you don't exist in time? God has endurance. The Bible lists so many different things that God endures. God is slow to anger, and God is long-suffering. Do these things sound familiar to anyone who reads the Bible? How about this? God is curious. You can't be curious if you live outside of time. God sustains emotion, the Bible teaches. God is faithful. His faithfulness from everlasting to everlasting that he endures in faithfulness, for he is the faithful God, possessing great faithfulness, that's all endurance. None of these things are atemporal, God living his entire existence in in an instantaneity. God hopes. He's the God of hope, and he hopes, which is evidenced by category one, that God hopes his prophecies of judgment will fail. You can't hope if the future is settled and you know the whole future and you're outside of time, you can't hope. God can be limited, Psalm 78. By their sin, they limited the Holy One of Israel because God wanted to bless them and love must be freely given, so they limited God when his love goes unreturned. The fourth category, God acts externally in sequence. That has 71 verses. 71 verses in the Bible showing that God acts outside of the Godhead, externally that he acts in sequence. How about within the Godhead? That's category five. God experiences sequence internally within the Trinity including sequence of relationship, deciding, planning, becoming things, and even sharing. That's category 5, 13 verses. Category 6 only has three, and that's God says certain things happened that never entered his mind. So let's look at that category now. First, those three verses are listed, and if you go there, if you Google Open Theism Verses, click on our list, then category six, 
The first verse, Jeremiah 19.5. They burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings. How devastating, no? How utterly devastating. But realize this. This is Jeremiah chapter 19. What is Jeremiah chapter 18? It's the most open theist chapter in the entire Bible. So is this just totally taken out of context? No, not at all. The verse says, They burned their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal. This is God speaking. Which I did not command or speak, nor did it come into my mind. How's that? Jeremiah 32, verse 35. They caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, another false god, which I did not command them, nor did it come into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. And then Jeremiah 7, verse 3, they burned their sons and their daughters in the fire, that is to sacrifice them, which I did not command, nor did it come into my heart, that is, my mind. An idiom there for God's mind, his heart. Just like we say, I'm committed with all of my heart, meaning my mind, my intentions. And so then our list, most of the list is just verses, the verse references and excerpts, or the entire verses themselves. In this case, category six is a short category. It only has three verses, and people may have questions about them, so we have some discussion there. So we list the three verses from Jeremiah, and then this. There are three things here that prior to the first child sacrificed that had never happened— And they are that God had never commanded, spoke, nor even had a thought that men would practice such a thing. In verse 19.5, for example, the English translations closely follow the Hebrew, including for command, speak, and nor. Right? Command, speak, and nor. That God says, which I did not command or speak nor did it come into my mind. That nor shows us, including in the way it's used in this sentence, that there's a list there of three things. Consider how these disprove the settled future doctrines within Calvinism, Arminianism, and Molinism. Now, if you're not familiar with Molinism, don't worry about it. You could go online to a website, killingmolinism.com, It's a bizarre Rube Goldberg machine of a theology that imagines that God thought through an infinite number of possible futures and then picked one, and once he picked that one, then it was all deterministic. Everything, once he picked the one in which there were a certain number of weeds in the parking lot at Denver Bible Church on August 9th, 2021, and all these particulars, and there were a certain number of people who were going to commit a certain kind of crime right around midnight on Saturday, of, and so and so. Once 
God picked the one that had just the right combination of filth and perversion and violence and hate and blasphemy, along with love and sweetness and all. He picked the one that maximized his glory, and so that one now, therefore, the future is settled. Everything is determined. God knows everything that will happen. That's Molinism, and it's insane, and that's why we have KillingMolinism.com. By the way, that's spelled M-O-L-I-N-I-S-M, KillingMolinism.com. So consider how these verses disprove the settled future doctrines of Molinism, Calvinism, and Arminianism. Molinists claim that logically prior to creating, God thought through every plausible future. These verses falsify that idea, for they explicitly deny that God had ever thought of speaking about his people's infanticide. Yet here he is, in these passages, speaking about that very topic. So if Molinism were true, speaking about this topic is something that certainly would have entered God's mind, but because it did not, Molinism fails. These same observations also disprove Calvinism, but there is another deeper falsification of Calvinism in these passages. The deeper issue applies to those who refuse to repudiate John Calvin's chapter 18 with his claim that God is the author of sin and that it is no mere permission, but that man sins by God's just impulsion to do what man not ought to do because God forces us to do it. Such Calvinists should repent of their blasphemy upon realizing that to decree means to command. And if God decreed all of man's sin, that makes God, as Calvin himself insisted, the author of sin. Thus, if as Calvin insisted that God had eternally decreed all of man's sin, which would include that Israel would sacrifice children to Baal and to Molech, then because his decrees are his commands, therefore certainly from eternity past, this would have been in his mind that he would command this infanticide. So that contradiction falsifies both Calvinism's system of comprehensive eternal decrees and it falsifies Calvinism's settled future because these things had never previously entered God's mind. Now, for Arminians, their doctrine of a settled future would not be falsified in the same way that these verses falsify Calvinism, but it is contradicted by the very same reasoning we've already mentioned against Molinism. For by Arminianism, it certainly would have entered God's mind from eternity past that he would speak about this infanticide as he does in these verses and elsewhere. So this contradiction falsifies the Arminian settled future. These three things that never happened, here's what they mean. First, whereas God commanded Abraham to offer up Isaac but then stopped him, he in no way commanded a system of child sacrifice, not even to himself, let alone to idols. 
Second, before the foundations of the earth, when the Father, Son, and Spirit were sharing and planning, they were also discussing contingencies of what to do based on man's possible behavior, yet it never even came up in conversation that men might burn their babies to death. So they never even spoke about this. And third, nor did it even enter God's mind that men might do such a thing. He never commanded this, never spoke of it, nor did it enter his mind. So the fact that a sporting team might have a roster filled with perverts, a run-of-the-mill homosexuality, sure, that's something that very well may have entered God's mind, along with all the other sins that God prohibits in the Ten Commandments. But burning your own children to death? No way.